I'm Alicia. And I'm Ashley. And we are Murd Nerds. Welcome back to another week of true crime here at Murd Nerds. If you're a returning listener, nice to see you again. Welcome back. But if you're new here, thanks for giving us a listen, and we hope that you will stick around. And we hope you don't go back and listen to episodes like 1 through 10. Just, just <laughs> save yourself don't. the trouble. <laughs> My name I'm is- sorry, I'm sorry, Jeremy. 1 through 6. I'm sorry. 1 through That's 6. That's right. And, you know, send us a picture. We want to see what you look like. Yeah. Sure. What? Nothing. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> My name is Alicia, and joining me, as always, is Ashley and Jeremy. How are you both doing on this fine, fine day? My toes are a little cold. It's That's a little chilly. Because I'm well, I'm wearing these Jinx. boots. There's no, there's no insulation in the foot part. Doesn't oh, want to make yeah. a lot of sense. I need big socks. Yeah, you do need big socks for your big voluptuous feet. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Okay. It's all about dick today. Uh, if you're new here, for each episode, I start out the, qu- the episode with a weird question, and I do this for a couple of reasons. One, it helps us loosen up a little bit before we get into the story. Two, weird questions get our minds thinking outside of the box. And three, I like to see what dumb answers these two shockleheads come up with. So today's question is, Jeremy, drumroll, please. <laughs> You like that one? That was pretty good, wasn't it? That was it? great. You did great. <laughs> I didn't hear anything. <laughs> if aliens came to Earth, what would be the first TV show you would show them and <gasps> why? And I came up with this question completely on my own. No Google help. That is a great question. Parks and Recreation. Really? Yep. And why? Because it's fucking gold. All right. That's why. And I know yours is going to... Well, no. Yours probably wouldn't be Shit's Creek, just because that's like your favorite show doesn't necessarily mean... Can only pick one? Alien versus Predator. <laughs> no, <I'm just> <laughs> Cowboys and aliens. Uh, what is yours, Alicia? Mine is uh, ancient aliens so that they could just laugh and oh laugh and laugh. God. Like, I think it'd be borderline like a tabloid for them. I think it'd be funny. Yeah. They're like, that guy that's talking right now is my uncle. He's in the back of the spaceship. <laughs> it's all bullshit, you guys. <laughs> Mine's I would how I met your mother. Hey, watch really? this. I th- I thought about something like that too. Yeah, I'd be like, let's sit down and I'll show you the bro code, <laughs> and then you have to live by it. I'm not a How I Met Your Mother fan. Not many. There's I find that it's it's, it's a fifty fifty deal. Yeah. There's the either love it or you just didn't care much for it. Like I'm in um, the middle. Like Seinfeld. People love Seinfeld. I did not love Seinfeld at yeah. all. Yeah, I don't. I don't really care about it. I watch it, but I don't watch it. Does that make sense? It's funny. Yeah, I get the jokes. It's yeah, like I always said, it was too adult for me. Yeah, yeah, I could see that. You're still stuck being like 14 years old. Damn straight. I'm gonna go play with my pee pee. <laughs> not enough dick jokes. <laughs> we need more dick jokes. More fart jokes, please. <laughs> So this week's episode is something that I've been wanting to do for a while. When Ashley and I first started this podcast, we were just recording on uh, my shitty laptop with some shitty mics and shitty rooms. So our audio quality was absolutely atrocious and we knew it, but we were doing what we could to get out some cases that we were really interested in. But after growing this partnership with Jeremy here at Golden Mojo Entertainment, um, 
And the further we've gotten into this journey, I knew that I for sure wanted to revisit some of the episodes that weren't so great audio quality. When we were still, we still had our training wheels on. We were little babies. Mm -hmm. Yeah, little babies. Uh, Today, I'm jumping back into one of the cases that has stuck with me for years and years and years. One that if you have listened before, you'll know the story, but it'll be interesting hearing Jeremy and Ashley's opinions because they weren't on that episode with me. So if you've heard the story, just stick with us. We'll get to that. There'll be conversation that you haven't heard. Um, Also, this is a case that has been picked up by Ashley Flowers of Crime Junkies. She's currently on tour for her podcast called The Deck. And during her tour, she tells the story that I covered on episode two of Murder Nerds a year ago. That's weird that I said don't go back and listen to episodes one through six. Yeah. (laughs) I just want to say that uh, I enjoy... A little crime junkies and uh, I've listened to the deck but uh, as we have talked in past episodes a big big fan of counterclock which also comes oh, out audio great. Chuck, for sure so. for sure so today we will be revisiting the unsolved kidnapping and murder of Darlene Hulse this week's case is one I've only known about for a few years obviously it's been years and years that I've really liked it, but I first heard about it while listening to a podcast called Cold Cold Case Chronicles, which is such a good podcast. They're no longer recording, um, but it's a wonderful podcast. Um, It was one of the first cases they covered, and it stuck out to me for a couple of reasons. This isn't too far away from where we live. It's unsolved and continues to go cold, and it's about a stay-at-home mom with three daughters. Yeah. So once again, this is one of the cases that I feel doesn't get talked about a whole lot. Um, There's a couple news articles, some recent interviews with her daughters and a Reddit entry. But unless you're actively looking for it, you're not going to hear about it. Except Ashley Flowers is now covering it. So hopefully it gets some more traction. Right. It definitely will. I mean, isn't Crime Junkies the number one podcast in the country? Yes. Not Um, even just true crime, just in general. Yeah. Crime Junkies is, but this is from the deck. I mean, it's all her network but still yeah but yeah no the number one podcast in the country is called new heights really yes they are taking the world by storm really I think he's mocking us he's it, mocking us no <laughs> oh <laughs> i mean it's still it, crime junkies is number one for a while yeah they were so. no no i they, i um uh, new heights is the jason and travis kelsey uh new podcast they're only about what 17 episodes deep and they're already number one across many many boards Dang. so wow. awesome. good for them yeah. what it, what is it what's like the subject uh travis kelsey is a tight end for the kansas city chiefs his brother jason is the center for the philadelphia eagles <laughs> oh, oh I, no just, I just licked and, the mic <laughs> and uh sorry they talk about the games and they uh, yeah they're, they're great of course you know why i listen to it because i'm a big <laughs> chiefs fan but mm-hmm. um yeah they're, they're pretty they're pretty great so good for them that's awesome. New Heights. So Good my know. <laughs> my sources this episode are an article of Michiana Unsolved by News Center WNDU, the South Bend Tribune, season three, episodes one, two, and three of Cold Case Chronicles, the Plymouth Tribune. Now, it was one of their first episodes, but for some reason it's labeled as season three. Why? I don't know. Hmm. But uh, the Plymouth Tribune, the Rochester Sentinel, the Lafayette Journal and Courier, and a Medium.com article by Kat Lee. Love Medium.com. 
Darlene was born October 15, 1955 in Gary, Indiana to Oscar and Joyce Jolly. She grew up with two sisters and one brother. And at 19 in 1974, Darlene married Ron Hulse in Portage, Indiana. Two years later, they welcomed their first daughter, Marie. Then two years later, they had Melissa. And then five years later, they had their last child, Kristen. So Darlene was a very beautiful, loving person and mother. She was um, very religious and involved in her church community. And she also went to medical school and had a degree, but instead chose to stay home with her daughters and be a stay-at-home mom while Ron was the breadwinner. Now, I'm not sure when exactly Darlene and Ron moved to Argus, Indiana, but they moved into a home within a short walking distance from Ron's parents' home. In 1980, the population of Argus was just a little over 1,500, um, which to me seems like a lot because Argus is just so tiny. Right, yeah. Uh, So you drive through it, you blink, Mm -hmm. and you'll miss it. Um, So there's a lot of country homes, um, and the town itself is just really small. And... I used to hang out in Argus a lot and it just kind of feels weird. And I don't know if it's because it's not like updated a lot. There's, it's not like with the times, if that makes sense. It's kind of, uh, it's like rundown. Yeah. I I don't want to say rundown in the sense that it's like bad, but it's just like the buildings are older. There's not a lot of like up dating that's going on. They're not developing anything. It's, It's staying the same. Yes, exactly. Uh, During the morning of August 17th, 1984, school hadn't quite started for the Hulses' older daughters, but I could only assume that they were enjoying their last couple days of summer break. As usual, Ron woke up at 5 to drive to Plymouth, Indiana, which is only about a 10 or 15 minute drive to work. And Ron worked for Young Door, which ironically, my grandparents, my uncle and my mom all worked there around the same time that this happened. Um, And when Ron was there, I talked to them about a little about the story and they couldn't remember much. They just remembered that it did happen. (coughs) Anyways, Ron took off to work. And remember, at this point in the season, the sun was still rising early. And I looked it up and the sunrise on that day in Argus was at 557 a.m. By 7 a.m., Darlene got the girls up for breakfast and to get ready for the day. And around 9 a.m., Darlene's father-in-law took his bike to their home to say good morning to his daughter-in-law and his granddaughters. Um, I'm sure this was a really common thing that he did because they lived so close to one another. Right. What time did school start if they were still home at 9? They were. It was still school break. I'm sorry. It's okay. Literally just said that. So he dropped off some snacks, um, some bananas, and he just kind of chatted and visited with them for a little bit. Uh, He didn't stay too long. And after their visit with their grandfather, Darlene asked Marie and Melissa to go ahead and get into the bathtub while she fed their baby sister, Kristen, before they had to leave for a doctor appointment. Um, It was two days before Kristen's first birthday. So naturally she had her one year checkup. So the day before Ron um, had took their dog to the vet and it had to stay there overnight. So while the girls were in the bath, they heard what they thought was a dog. Now, they got super excited because they thought either their dog was able to come home or they thought that their dad might have brought them a new puppy. So um, Marie got out of the tub. She told Melissa to stay there and she was going to see what all was going on. Um, so she ran down the hall full of excitement. 
but she didn't find her beloved dog or a new puppy. She saw a man that she didn't know struggling with her mom and her baby sister on the floor. Darlene screamed for Marie to run, so Marie thought quickly to call someone and um, ran back down the hall to the kitchen to their wall-mounted phone. She dialed the only number that she knew by heart, which was her aunt's. Uh, While she was dialing, the man grabbed Darlene by her hair and started dragging her down the hall to stop Marie, who was calling. And she has her one-year-old in her arms, I'm assuming? Darlene? Yeah. No. Oh. You'll find out. Okay. Of course, her aunt didn't answer, and all Marie got was a busy tone. Before she could dial again, the man ripped the phone from the wall, and at this point, Melissa had um, heard the commotion and gotten out of the bathtub. She stood in the doorway, awestruck at what was going on. Marie again thought quickly, ran out of the kitchen, grabbing Melissa's hand, and they were able to escape um, from the intruder out the back door and ran towards their grandparents' house, leaving their mother and Kristen with the assailant. Within 15 minutes, the police had arrived at the home of Darlene and Ron and their children. The scene they walked in upon was just horrifying. There was a trail of blood leading from the front door to the roadside where the detectives assumed a car was parked and Darlene was put into. As they investigated the inside of the home, they found signs of a struggle. There was blood absolutely everywhere on the floors, the walls, the carpet, and on the floor lie a broken fire poker from the fireplace, which was the assailant's chosen weapon. And then the middle of it all was baby Kristen covered in her mother's blood. But thankfully she was, she wasn't harmed. She wasn't injured in, in any way. Good. So that night, a sketch of the man was recreated from what Marie and Melissa could recall. And, um, They were also able to give kind of a description of the car. The man they saw was between the ages of 20 and 30. He had shaggy blonde hair that they believed had darker streaks in it, almost like he had highlights in his hair. Mm -hmm. Um, He had a long face. Um, He was around six foot, six foot two, around 150 pounds. And he was wearing a tan striped shirt, brown gray corduroy pants and tan leather work boots. So the car was a 1970 to 1974 blue-green sedan that was in very, very poor condition, including rust on the sides. And this description was also given by a neighbor who had drove past and added that the car looked like it was almost self-painted, especially on the hood of the car. Hmm, Nice. Yeah. Immediately, the police concluded that they didn't believe that this was a robbery. Nothing in the house was taken. And usually a suspect who intends to rob a home brings their own weapon in preparation to fight someone off. So um, until they found who kidnapped Darlene, they were just stumped on what this motive could potentially be. The next morning, a timber was marking trees that needed to be cut down. Um, This was about six miles from the Hulse home and was in a very rural, secluded area of Argus with a dirt road that ran alongside it. Around the wooded area and dirt road was an old fence that would be difficult to get over, but there was a gate that had been previously broken down by hunters, people that were going fishing or like mushroom hunters. And right past the gate, the timber found the fully clothed body of Darlene Hulse. After an autopsy was done, the pathologist said Darlene died from blunt force trauma. Um, She was struck in the head seven times, concluding that the weapon was probably that broken fire poker found within the Hulse home. But she was not sexually assaulted. 
And they didn't believe that there was an attempt considering she was fully clothed. Right. There's a few weird things. I mean, he left the kids alone. Mm -hmm. That's, yeah. Yes. More times than not, the husband is immediately looked at. But Ron was cleared. Uh, He had a Loctite alibi because he was at work 15 minutes away. And um, they determined by autopsy that Darlene had been murdered between 9 a.m. and noon. So Ron had already been at work for several hours. Not to mention the suspect didn't resemble Ron at all. And his daughter stated that they didn't know the man that was attacking their mother. Right. They'd have been like, my dad did that. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) So the detectives assumed the assailant was a local man, considering the location that Darlene was found. It was a very hidden, not well-known or well-traveled area. Not to mention the gate had, it would have been impossible to get a body over. So this person had to have known that that gate was broken. Right, right. Or they wouldn't even have tried. Because I always think about that when when cops kind of jump to that conclusion. But I mean, you can take a few lefts and a few rights in a small town and end up in BFE. Yeah, for sure. But including the gate. Yeah. It's kind of like, hmm. So the detectives also made an assumption that the man tried to tell Darlene that he was a delivery driver. And that's how he tried to get her to open the door and gain access. But they don't have anything to base this off of other than Darlene wouldn't open that door for a stranger. Being a small, friendly town, I would assume the door was unlocked already. Mm -hmm. Or if she opened the door herself, she was just asking how she could help him, considering Darlene was known for being a kind, considerate person. What year was this again? 1984. Hell yeah, their door was unlocked. Yeah. The only DNA at the crime scene was a small amount of blood that was believed to be the suspects. So law enforcement slowly narrowed down to three main suspects. The first person was a 22-year-old Daniel Bender. He was labeled a person of interest shortly after Darlene's murder. Police ended up stating that they didn't believe he actually murdered Darlene, but they did believe that he was withholding information about the crime and was charged with assisting a criminal and ending up getting arrested. So police never released why they thought he was involved. And I was unable to find what ended up becoming of the charges, like if they were dismissed or not. But right, because how can you put that on when you don't have your actual main suspect? Exactly. Yeah, that seems odd. The second person of interest was a 30-year-old drifter named Robert Robert Zabrowski. Uh, Zabrowski closely resembled the description the girls gave, and he had been living near Argus for two years in Kiwana. Shortly after the murders, he had moved to Alabama and joined a circus. So it took a while to locate him. Um, He was arrested, but considering the lack of evidence, he was released. The third person of interest is the most convincing 29-year-old Richard W. Mock. So Mock was a suspect in a slew of robberies that occurred in Illinois and Indiana. And Indiana law enforcement were already trying to contact him in regards to these burglaries, but he fled the area. Mock also drove a car that was very similar to the one that was described. And the But the biggest problem with this being connected to the case was um, that the car had been previously wrecked in July and was an impound during the kidnapping and murder of Darlene. Ah, uh, so I mean that—that's right there. He didn't do it, or well, I mean you can borrow a different car, or know people at the impound lot. Just saying. 
Did we ever? Um, we talked about this. Yes, I'm. Yeah, I'm just kind of sitting <laughs> over listening right now. Um, um, crap, I don't remember what I was gonna say. Sorry, it's okay. <laughs> Happens to me all the time. Unfortunately, Mock was never questioned by law enforcement because in October of 1984, just a couple months after um, the murder, Mock robbed a convenience store, which led to a police chase. Mock decided to shoot at law enforcement, and obviously they ended up shooting back and fatally shot him. Mm -hmm. Um, They did DNA test his blood against the blood that was found at the crime scene, and the samples didn't match. So he the, now, but that doesn't always mean he's not our guy. Does that definitively mean he's not our guy in this case? That doesn't mean that. Okay, okay, I wasn't sure. Yeah, because I know most of the time it doesn't necessarily mean that, but sometimes it does. Yes, you have a good solid sample. Yes. Okay. Thirty-seven years later, and the murder—it would be thirty-eight. Excuse me, thirty-eight years later, and the murder of Darlene is still unsolved, and nothing for detectives to go off of. This is another case of it could truly be anyone yeah i hate those so what could have happened to jarlene um it's a random crime could it have been this was just a chance of wrong place wrong time i mean possibly considering there isn't a reason to believe this is a robbery there was no sexual assault could this have just been a stranger that was lying in wait to attack darlene just for thrills yeah, I mean, because it's not. not like an opportunity thing because it's not like she was like going outside or, you know, getting her mail. Like, it seems like he came up to the house. They were all inside the yes, house. Yes, exactly. So she had to be targeted. Could someone have been stalking Darlene, watching and preparing to attack her? She was a very beautiful, sweet woman. Someone could have been watching her family and their patterns just like I said, lying in wait to attack. He knew Ron wouldn't be home because he left at the same time every day. <coughs> Excuse me. Maybe he believed the girls were already in school. Um, I just find it bold that he attacked her during the middle of the day like that. Right. So I'm honestly stumped on this case. They had DNA they believed to be the suspects, but considering the three main people in question were cleared on either lack of evidence or DNA not matching, I'm assuming none of them were involved. Um, Although Kristen doesn't remember her mother, she was the youngest, she was the baby, Um, she stated in an interview with WNDU, I feel like I'm very lucky to be here. I feel like she did the best that she could to protect us, and that was the goal, and for that I'm eternally grateful. Now, although law enforcement has stated that these cases are not linked, I find it very odd that just two years later, in December of 1986, Brandy Peltz was murdered. And that is currently unsolved. And that was in Argus as well. Mm-hmm. Those two cases above all other cases that I've ever like read, looked into, those two cases have a piece of my soul Which is crazy invested. because they kind of seem connected too. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't in the Pelts murder. Wasn't that car also there was a weird car that was seen yeah and i think we talked about it when you did your brandy pelts case we talked about yes there was a slew of murders some of them unsolved that happened in northern indiana with girls around the same age as brandy um and darlene's oldest daughter they're all the same age they all kind of look the same 
there's something oh, there to me. Oh, I see. Mm-hmm. I see you. Yes. I see you. My theory yep. is that Darlene was not the target. That she her, was a roadblock. Yep. That Marie or Melissa was the target. And Darlene fought her ass off to protect her girls. And he got so pissed, he just dragged her out to the car and didn't come back because the girls fled. I can't believe no one saw him drag her to the car. Yeah. Jesus. Yep. That's my theory, and I'm sticking to it. Yeah, that (laughs) seems the most plausible. Excuse me. That or the stalker theory, but... With all those unsolved cases in our area with younger girls, Mm -hmm. that seems to be just as plausible, if not more, than the stalker theory. Mm -hmm. Did we find out, did you, while you were doing the secondary research, where that car was impounded at? I think it was in Texas. Oh, it was that far down? No, I take that back. I think he was killed in Texas. I think it was in Illinois. Was I don't he remember. driving that car when he was killed? No, it was an impound. It was still an impound? Mm-hmm. Did anybody search the car that was impounded? I don't know. That's a good question. Right, because people who work at the impound lot, I mean, they have their choice of cars. Yeah. And it's probably, honestly, law enforcement probably keeping that stuff under wrap just for integrity of the case. Yeah. It could be. I think my original theory was... The cops being involved. Yeah. That really? They, that I remember texting Alicia back when I was still uh, we were still preparing the studio for you guys to come in. This case come out, and I remember listening to it, thinking that's too much of a coincidence that that car would be impounded. But it was, you know, it's kind of the same car that was seen. And well, right. maybe he had maybe he had a, a friend that worked at the impound lot well, and was they fudged it? the yeah. the paperwork. I was mean, it in a police impound or just like a that I private? Don't know. There's not a whole lot of information like yeah. detail-wise on this case, and it's uh, so frustrating. Unsolved cases are like that. It is frustrating. That's why, like, I I I do hope that Ashley Flowers covers this case mm-hmm. because she has the in with law enforcement, so she can get more details on cases. Right, right. Um, I know, like I said, she's doing her tour that's talking about this case, um, which is phenomenal. I'm glad it's getting more limelight because it deserves it i mean yeah well because the cool thing is is even if the murderer like moved to colorado i mean she's worldwide so it's like okay someone like didn't you live in indiana back in 1987 or yeah exactly and then that's all it takes which we had talked we had talked before jeremy about people in this area I think it was Argus predominantly that there was a lot of people coming and going for motorcycle sales. Do you remember that? I was talking about that in a past episode. Was there a store, a motorcycle store there or something or what? There, I can't remember what exactly it was. People that were buying and selling predominantly motorcycles in the area. Do you remember that? I don't right off the top of my head. When was that? I feel like I 80s. vaguely remember. No, I mean, when did you have that conversation? <laughs> oh, it was an episode Jeremy and I did together. You I weren't feel here. Like I remember that. Do I don't remember? But yeah, there's. I mean, small town, middle America. Mm-hmm. Middle America. 
Anything is possible. But as of 2019, um, starting in 2019, excuse me, Darlene's case was reopened and they began tracing the previous tips, tracking down leads and re-interviewing people that were interviewed before. So if you have any tips or information that could help in this case, investigators are asking to contact Marshall County Prosecuting Attorney Office at 574-935-8666. Hail Satan. <laughs> I'm sorry, you can't say six three times in succession and expect me not to. So I want to hear your guys' opinions on this case a little bit more in depth. What do you think? <clears throat> Um, I I don't really know what to think. There's not enough there to even think anything aside from your theory about it being connected to Brandy Peltz and other other cases in northern Indiana or mm-hmm. it being a stalker because obviously it wasn't sexually motivated. No, that's the bizarro thing. Is right. That-, that specific murder of Diane was not sexually motivated. Darlene. Darlene. I'm so sorry. I called her Diane twice in this episode. I am so sorry. Jeremy. Um, Argus is such a small town. Yeah, and it's weird that, that it happened twice, right? N- yeah, no, that is. Within two years of each other. I'm, I'm going back to somebody knows something. Oh, for and they're sure. not speaking because... If you've ever spent any time in that town, you know that everybody knows everybody. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, even even me who don't live there, I know people in that town. I know a lot of people in that town. Mm-hmm. And I know people that moved out of that town. So I just I find it interesting that, uh, you know, we're 38 years later and there's still nothing. Nobody's come through. There's no deathbed confessions. Mm-hmm. There's no anything like that so yep well and that's actually pretty plausible if it if the daughters were the end goal because it's one thing to come out and be like i murdered this woman one time but it's one another thing to say oh i killed seven kids in northern indiana in the 80s well here's the here's the I, i went back to my brandy peltz uh episode um, like I said, investigators have labeled the, these cases are they don't have any direct connection. Right. I was going to uh, ask if they publicly yes they have commented on that, but I think it should be reconsidered. Um, Linda Weldy was a ten year old girl from Laporte, Indiana. She went missing in 1987 after getting off the school bus. Linda was found strangled to death in a farmer's field 22 days after she disappeared, and her killer has never been found. April Tinsley was an eight-year-old girl from Fort Wayne, Indiana. She was kidnapped, raped, and murdered in 1988. She was strangled to death. Her killer left an anonymous uh, anonymous messages all over Fort Wayne, Fort Wayne, Fort Wayne, on young girls' bikes and mailboxes between 1990 oh, yes. and 2004, saying that he would kill again. And in 2008, her murder was found by forensic genealogy. His name was John Miller. Um, Uh, To me, there's something here. Uh, I've looked super deep into the murders of young girls in the 80s, and these are simply the ones that I have found and went, hey, wait a minute. Mm -hmm. Um, Like I said, continuously saying authorities say there is no connection, but I want to look at the similarities here. They all occurred within a small time frame. 
between 1984 and 1988. Brandy, Linda, April, and Darlene's oldest daughters were all around the same age. They all looked very similar. They all had blonde hair. Um, All four cases are within northern Indiana. Brandy, Linda, and April all died from strangulation and were assaulted. Uh, Darlene was not sexually assaulted, and they're unsure of a motive to this crime at all. The cars seen at the Pelt's home, suspected to be one of the suspect's cars, and Darlene Holst's home were both 1970-ish blue-green Chevys. Could this be a coincidence? Um, Like I said in, in the Brandy Pelt's case, I can't stress enough that this is purely my own wheels turning and speculative, but could these crimes be connected in some way? Uh, is Darlene's murder such an enigma because she wasn't the intended target. Her daughters were. Maybe the suspect wasn't intending her to be home or for her to put up such a fight, and that's why she became his victim. For me, there are far too many similarities screaming that there is a connection, and it's finding the evidence to formally link them. Right, right, because if Darlene was, in fact, not the intended victim that really skews how you look at what happened mm-hmm. because she was the victim. Mm-hmm. She ended up being the victim. That's crazy. What year did your guy uh, get get in that shootout with the cops? 1984. It was just two months. It, this happened in August. He got in the shootout in October. So, oh, but, so he couldn't the, have been yeah, responsible for the other once, girls. Yeah, that yeah. went into 88. Yeah, okay. But And they did run his DNA too, which didn't match. So that's mm-hmm. kind of... Hmm. That's crazy. That was my phone. I'm so sorry. Yeah, I just think it's too ironic. I find it too ironic that within such a small span, within the same, I mean, what, 100 mile radius? Mm -hmm. And without a trace. Uh huh. They all looked the same. They all were around the same age. I just, there's too many too many similarities for me to think that there's not a connection yeah it feels i feel that i mean maybe the cops do think they're connected they're just not letting on you know it's all uh yeah they're like listen we're gonna make this guy think that we're not on to him at all Mm -hmm. they can lie it's allowed well they have to do certain things to try to keep Everything close to the chest. The integrity. Of right. Because yeah. if you the, s- the first, th- the second they say, we think all these are connected, that guy's going to be yeah. gone. He'll be gone. So. Interesting. Um, hmm. I mean, I mean <laughs> just the the weirdness of uh, what whatever the hell Alicia's doing right now. Is Sorry. Like, I was trying <laughs> to. She's moving around her chair. <laughs> I sit with my legs so tucked noise. up underneath of me like a psychopath and. Oh, I need to get some blood in my toes. <laughs> the weirdness of even what is going on in the world today with, you know, uh, social media being able to tell you, hey, there's this weird white van that's, you know, sitting outside of the school or has tried to grab my, you know, talk to my daughter as she was walking home from the park or, you know, those things just don't happen now. Those things have probably been going on for a long, long time. Oh, right. Yeah. We just hear. Yeah. And you're exactly mm-hmm. right. Social you're media exactly has made right. it so much more. Yes. Just like the whole body cam thing. 
cops have been beating up people of color for years. We're just we can just see it now in action. Oh yeah, the world's no worse than it's ever been. No, we just that's know why more. I always I always laugh when people are like, "It's such the world's so horrible right now." Blah blah blah. No, it's been way worse. Right, I mean, we just have lightning safer. speed to that information. Right. Yeah. Yeah. If anything, it's I'm for sure. I'm gonna I'm gonna say something here. We I've we've never done this before, but I'm gonna tell you who I'm covering next week. Because I'm covering Linda. <gasps> Are you really? Yes. That's why I looked at you like a deer in headlights when you said her name. So, yeah. Well, cool. You guys can go through and look up the Brandy Peltz case. You can, you know, you just listen to Darlene. And then this following week, you can listen to uh, mm-hmm. Linda Weldy. And you can tell us what you think about the similarities between the cases. What's your opinion? Maybe we'll call, cover April Tinsley then. Oh, yeah, might too. as well. Yeah. April Tinsley's a big one, isn't it? Oh, yeah. It's one of the biggest ones in Indiana. So I thought. Yeah. Uh, so I hope you all enjoyed this story. And if you'd like to hear more like this, let us know. Send us a message to our social media pages. Uh, Facebook, just search Murder Nerds. Or if you're on Instagram, it's at Murder Nerds. We also have an email address. It's MurderNerds at gmail.com. Let us know what you're thinking. Uh, I know I like to know. Do you guys like to know? I do. I love to know what they're thinking. <laughs> Jeremy's the uh, uh, lush for some some positive Feedback. petting. I was gonna oh petting, <laughs> petting. Jesus! Wow, that went to zero to a hundred pretty quick. <laughs> he, he likes positive reinforcement. I do. I, I was no, like you dog. said petting. You have to commit to that now. <laughs> I need my ego petted. There you go. There you go. Stroked. That's the word. Oh, I <laughs> stroke. Nobody that stroke ego. Jeremy, but Bobby, please. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, let us know what you're thinking. If you want to leave us a comment on Apple Podcasts, go ahead. Nobody's stopping you. Uh, you can also rate and review on Apple Podcasts and on Spotify. Leave us something on Facebook. Send us a message through Instagram. Send us an email. Do whatever you want. Talk to us. Talk to us. Tell me what you think. Talk. To, to me, me. Tell, tell me your name. Oh my god, I listened to Ricky Martin just yesterday. Oh, that's weird. Synchronicities. And if you liked us here at Murder Nerds, I'm willing to bet that yes. you would also like some of the other shows that are in the Golden Mojo Entertainment family of podcasts. Hundred percent. Ashley, who's Monday? Fuck, you're gonna do this to me? <laughs> Tusop? Nope. God damn it. No, Golden Image. Nope. God damn it. You do it. Call guys. Call guys. Yep. Yes. Call guys cover Kay. all things pop culture. Okay, and then Tuesday. Do you know what Tuesday should be Tusop because that would make Tuesday Tusop. That would make it easier to remember. Tuesday is Golden Mojo, Golden Image. There you go. <laughs> they go places, so you'll want to. Mm-hmm. She does really do listen to the <laughs> podcast. <laughs> um. Uh, what's Wednesday? Wednesday is two sub. <laughs> hey, I had it. Jeremy's having a seizure. Apparently. <laughs> to do. A ghost seizure. <laughs> the United States of Paranormal is all things spooky. Cryptid. Creaky. Creaky. Mm-hmm. <laughs> creaky. Creaky. Creaky cryptid. like my knees. Yeah. <laughs> what does Logan always say? What's his tagline for it? All things creepy. Cryptid, creepy, and... Well, Spooky's in there somewhere, too. Sorry. I've listened to it a hundred times. Creepy, and I, cryptid, yeah. creepy, and... Creepted? 
<laughs> cryptid, creepy, and constipated. I was just trying to think of another C know. word, too. And if you're a football fan and you want to hear all about Jay's favorite team, the Kansas City Chiefs, check oh. out Indiana Chiefs fans. And then on Friday is Murders. Oh. Murders. <laughs> Judas Snow. <Murder>. Judas Snow. <laughs> you can find all of those shows wherever you enjoy listening to podcasts and also check them out on social media. For sure. Where's that Judas Snow thing from? Is and it, I have Murder. Murder. No, it was a vine. Oh. Oh, my God. <laughs> yes. Thank you. All righty, sweetie pads. Okay. We'll see you next week to cover Linda Weldy. You guys got a little insight. Yeah. Yeah. We've never announced like uh, an episode before it's, hmm. it's aired. Interesting. That's a special one for you yep. out there. Sweet, yeah. Sweet it's another, listener. obviously it's another young child. So if you want to skip, you're going to have to skip two weeks in a row. Sorry. This one wasn't a young child. Oh, that's right. I'm sorry. <laughs> Where are you? <laughs> well, we'll talk about the intended victims. Okay. Uh, bye. Alrighty. <laughs> if you haven't been told today, I hope you're doing great. And we love you. Bye.